I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey listeners, in this episode, I will be discussing topics that are not suitable for children under the age of 17, such as drugs and sex, though nothing graphic, you know me. While I love that I have younger listeners, this one may not be for you. Also, myself and the Angry Neighborhood Feminist team does not promote or condone illegal drug use and champion safe and responsible use of cannabis and implore you to do your research and speak with a professional before experimenting with cannabis products. Hi, I'm Madigan, and you're listening to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist, a podcast that explores the world through a personal feminist perspective. Heidi ho everybody. How are we doing today? I know I always start the episodes that way. I don't know if that bothers anyone, but I feel rude if I don't ask my listeners how they're doing. And I like to assume that when I ask that question, each of you are sitting in your respective cars or homes or wherever you are when you're listening to this. Maybe you're more of a workout person than I am, so you're on a jog. And I just imagine that like in your head or out loud really quietly, you're like, you know what? I'm doing good this week, Madigan. Or you're like, you know, This week has fucking sucked, and I'm here for all of it. All emotions are valid. All of how we feel is valid. I'm here to take it all in and support all of you in any way, even if it is through the airwaves of this podcast. I hope that all of you have had a at least decent week. At best, I hope you've had a wonderful week. 
Before we get into today's episode, of course, there's a few things that I want to remind you all. And first and foremost, that is that we are going to be having the Angry Feminist Book Club Zoom party this coming Wednesday. I'm so excited to finally put some faces to names to get to meet all of you and to talk about the different books that we've covered. We can maybe make a game plan for some future books that we want to talk about, so on and so forth. So if you are a member of Patreon in general, whether you're part of just the Angry Feminist Book Club or if you're also part of the Feminist Faves level, you will have access to this Zoom party, which will be happening on Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific time here where I am in Los Angeles. I'm going to be sending out a Zoom link latest by Tuesday. I don't want to send it out too early in case I need to change it or anything like that, but I'm going to send it out the day before to all of my patrons, so be sure that you're checking your email and you're checking your notifications for all of that good stuff. I'm really, really, really looking forward to it. Wednesday, you will also be getting another new Patreon episode. It has been decided that you all want to hear... (laughs) how I almost joined a cult three times. And I guess the third time, it might not necessarily have been a cult, but it was definitely a super creepy MLM. But I'm looking forward to telling you all those stories and having it be a little bit more of a personal episode up on Patreon on Wednesday. And I want to let everyone know that the next book we will be covering for Patreon is The Feminine Mystique by Betty Friedan. I'm really looking forward to reading more of this book and discussing it because I feel like I've done so much reading and research about the book and about Betty Friedan, but I've never actually read The Feminine Mystique. And I'm really, really enjoying it so far. I'm kind of getting myself in the mindset of like a baby boomer woman and what the experience would be like reading some of these things for the first time. Because obviously, to so many of us now, it's like a no-brainer. Of course, women deserve to be out in the world and have jobs and fully formed lives and identities. But at that time, it truly was something unbelievably radical. So I'm very excited to read that book and discuss it all with you. If you are not a member of Patreon, please go to patreon.com slash angryneighborhoodfeminist or go to the link in the show notes and you can join the Angry Feminist Book Club at the $5 level where you get two episodes a month covering each month's book. Or if you want a little bit of extra stuff, you can join the Feminist Faves level for $8 where you get all of the book club content. You also get these episodes ad-free, usually a little bit early, and you'll also just get some random bonus content thrown at you every now and again. Secondly, I just want to remind you all that there's another show out there that I've been working on that I would really, really greatly appreciate you all listening to, and that is Still Learning with my friend India. I'm super, super proud of this show. It's very different than this one. There's a lot more moving parts to it. There's music. There's interviews. It's a very different vibe of a show, but at the same time, I feel like it holds on to the same heart. And that is that we are all here to support and love each other and build a community of healing and love. And the show is something that I think is really going to help a lot of people. And I think it's going to make us think about a lot of different things. And it's been very 
inspiring to me as well. It's been very educational through all the different people that I've spoken to. And I just can't wait for all of you to go through that experience with me as well. Now that we are finally starting to release these episodes, episode one is available anywhere that you listen to your podcasts. Please review, rate it, send it to a friend, post it to your Instagram, Every little bit helps. And honestly, the same goes for this show. I say it at the end of the episode all the time, but the more love and support you can show me, even just through social media, the better. I really, really appreciate how supportive each and every one of you is. You truly don't have to do any of it, but the fact that you show such love and support means so much to me. So if you want to listen to Still Learning, check it out anywhere you listen to your podcast. You can also follow the Still Learning Instagram page at Still Learning the Podcast. I can't wait for you all to know and love India a little bit better like I have. And actually, Still Learning has been a big inspiration for why I wanted to do this episode today. We discussed cannabis use on this show before. Keegan and I covered the war on drugs. I believe we did a whole episode discussing more of the racism side of cannabis use, the legalities, things like that. And I want to make that note at the top of this episode just to keep in mind because I'm very well aware of the fact that different groups of people are treated differently when it comes to smoking cannabis in particular or, you know, taking any of these sorts of drugs. And I know for myself, being a white woman, being a functioning stoner or calling myself a stoner is a lot safer than a person of color, a woman of color referring to them as such. And I guess part of this conversation is me really wanting to break that apart because I think that everyone should be able to enjoy something if it's beneficial to them, if they enjoy it. And unfortunately, in our country, we have such a disproportionate rate of incarceration of people of color when it comes to cannabis charges. And I'm going to get into that a lot further toward the end of the episode, but I did want to bring it up now so you can all keep that in mind that I am really doing my best to talk about this subject, but also keep in mind the immense double standard when it comes to different types of people who use cannabis. So with that, let's get into today's episode where I will be discussing the functioning stoner. I'm also very excited to tell you all that we have a special sort of. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores. And it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cashback boost. That's an extra 10% cashback on top of the 15% cashback. You won't see higher cashback rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. 
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Sponsor for this episode, I made friends with a company on Instagram called Snugbox, which rhymes with drug box, and they make these beautiful lock boxes that I think originally were intended to be made for parents or you know anybody truly that wants to kind of keep their gummies hidden and locked away from their kids but still have something kind of cute to look at and I thought this was just such a great idea for a company and they're just so so cute so I reached out to them and they were nice enough to give me a promo code for the show my listeners will receive a 20% off discount when they use Feminist 20 on their website. Go to their website, www.snugbox.co, and use the code FEMINIST20 at checkout to receive 20% off of your purchase. I am so thankful that the wonderful people behind Snugbox were willing to give us this discount code, and it's running all the way through Halloween. So you have two months to use this promo code, and if it's something that you're interested in, I highly, highly suggest supporting this company. Let's talk about the reality of being a high-functioning stoner. I'm going to get into more of my experience in a little bit, but that's a way that I do describe myself sometimes. I don't see myself as being the typical stoner that was shown in TV shows and movies that I saw growing up. I'm not part of the movie Pineapple Express. I'm not the girl in that one commercial who's flattened out like a piece of paper, sunken into the couch, whose dog is talking to her about how worried it is about her. That's just not my life. I pretty much work from the second I wake up till the moment I go to bed at night. I'm a very productive person. I also work with kids. I have a very successful personal relationship. And I have close family and friends of all different backgrounds who I love and who love me back. Weed is a small part of my life in the grand scheme of things, but it's made a really big difference in my life. And that's why I feel like it's important for me to discuss on the show. Also, because I think that we should be accepting more and more people having this be a part of their lives without having the stigma around it. It is important to note that being a high-functioning stoner doesn't just happen overnight. You can't just wake up, decide you're going to start smoking weed or taking edibles, and expect yourself to go on with your daily life like that. It's just not going to happen. It takes time to figure out which strains work best for you, and it'll also take time to build up a tolerance and an understanding of how the drug affects you before you go out into the world. At this point in my life, I have an incredibly high tolerance, and I know exactly how much I should smoke throughout the day according to what I'm doing and when. 
I'm also very accustomed to the feeling of the high, which for many new smokers isn't something that they can seem to get their focus off of. Like I notice if I'm smoking with someone who doesn't do it as often, they just keep saying, oh my God, I'm so high. Oh my God, I'm so high. And it's like all you can focus on is that feeling. And that's kind of where I'm coming from. It's probably impossible to just be like, I'm a weed smoker now, but I'm still going to have my life look exactly the same. You got to start small, smoking a little bit at night to wind down, take a gummy, maybe just bite it in half and relax. Take it a little bit at a time, see what feels good for you, talk with professionals, try different strains or whatever feels the best for you. As someone who has struggled with a nicotine addiction since they were 18 years old, I do personally really enjoy the act of smoking. I don't usually smoke joints on a regular basis. That's would That would be way too much for me. Max and I will do that on like a special night to wind down when we're watching TV or a movie or something, or if we're about to go to a concert, somewhere where we like really want to feel the high. But normally what I do is I'll just like smoke a little bowl out of a pipe and move on with my day. Give myself that little sense of comfort and warmth inside, not to the point where I feel like I'm like la di da di da but just that I feel less anxious, more centered, and more myself, really, which sounds strange. It's really important to pay attention to how the drug is affecting your mind and your body and make adjustments if needed. It's just like taking any other sort of medication and it should be treated as such. It's also really important to know the side effects. According to the Mayo Clinic, cannabis can cause headaches, dry mouth or eyes, lightheadedness and dizziness, drowsiness and fatigue. Other side effects include nausea and vomiting, disorientation, hallucination if taken in large doses, increased heart rate, and increased appetite. I remember asking my mom about her experience with smoking weed when she was younger, and she only ever smoked it once and had a terrible experience. And it's amazing to me that it was only once that she smoked it because my mom turned 18 in the year of 1969 and was a young adult throughout the 70s. And my dad was a big pot smoker. My dad grew his own plants. Like that was totally his vibe. And I guess when my mom and dad had first gotten together, They were hanging out with another couple and my dad and the guy in the other couple lit up a joint and they just kept passing it and passing it and passing it to the women and having them smoke much of it. And that made them really, really sick. And my mom said that she was just violently throwing up for hours afterwards and it turned her off from ever wanting to do it again. And I'm like, what the fuck, dad? (laughs) That was so mean. And it's true. Like that has happened to me before, especially if I mix it with alcohol. So that's definitely a side effect to be aware of. Like don't just smoke like crazy if you don't know what you're doing. Cannabis use may also impair your judgment, attention, and coordination. Also, depending on your mental health condition, and this is important, it may worsen symptoms such as manic symptoms for those with bipolar disorder. It can also increase the risk of psychosis for those with schizophrenia. It's also important to note that the amount of cannabis you're taking will determine how relaxed you feel. Smoking small amounts will soothe your anxiety, but more does just the opposite, so take it slow. 
I know when Keegan and I would talk about smoking weed on the show, she would always be like, I can't do it anymore. Like, I just get too anxious. But back in the day when Keegan and I were hanging out when I was like 18, 19 to, you know, 21, I remember her smoking quite a lot of weeds. I'm like, what? What do you mean? Like, how do you not do that anymore? But it's true. If your tolerance goes down and you try to smoke maybe the same amount that you used to, you could get really, really anxious. Or if you're maybe smoking a strain that you're not used to, or if it's a really high THC content and things like that. So again, education is power here. But while those are some of the more negative side effects, on the flip side, research shows that cannabis can also benefit our health in many, many ways. That's why it was so common for it to be legalized for medicinal use early on. Cannabis can help reduce the pressure in the eye for someone with glaucoma. It helps relieve nausea and vomiting associated with cancer treatment. It helps relieve pain due to an injury or painful illness, especially chronic illnesses. It has seemed to help some cases of people with seizures, and it may also reduce muscle stiffness or spasms and urinary frequency for those with multiple sclerosis. There's this amazing viral video of a man suffering from Parkinson's, and when he's given a little bit of cannabis, his symptoms radically decrease. It's pretty amazing. I'm going to add a little bit of the audio to the episode now. It is something, though, that you really do have to see to really understand the drastic effects. So I'm going to put the link to this video in the show notes, and I highly, highly recommend, like, pause the episode now and go watch the video. It is truly amazing. So at the top of the video, he's really struggling. His movements are very jerky. He's having trouble speaking. It's been a rough week. Really? And the best way to take it is put it under your tongue. So he's explaining how to smoke it. You know what you should do? No. Don't try to communicate. Just relax. See what happens. In this next little bit, you might hear some whirring in the background, and that's like them speeding up time as they're waiting for the cannabis to take effect with this patient. We know from animal experiments that the endogenous cannabinoid system is very important in regulating motor activity, the very type of activity that is impaired in Parkinson's disease. From animal experiments, we also know that boosting certain branches of the endocannabinoid system is helpful in relieving symptoms of Parkinson's. Finally, from anecdotal information, we know that certain patients who smoke marijuana experience relief of their symptoms. I think you're calmed down. Who was flu bag? It works most of the time. Uh... <laughs> that was him singing. He's no longer shaking and struggling to speak. Did you guys eat lunch? <laughs> Either one, that's the munchies, or two, he's just suddenly not so focused on himself that he's like, wait, did you eat? It makes makes me pretty angry that I can't get in my home state. (laughs) The number one frustration that I have is knowing that there is this untapped potential that comes from what marijuana is is teaching us to generate new medicines and being stuck because of financial issues or political issues, that is extremely frustrating. It's so upsetting to hear this person that has found something that works so well for them and know that it isn't something that they can just access 
all the time. And truly, what he's saying here is so correct. It's like, your different political beliefs, your moral beliefs, yada, 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 are all getting in the way of this person getting something that actually truly benefits their quality of life. In fact, cannabis helps more than 600,000 Americans with chronic pain and other things like insomnia, depression, anxiety, and PTSD, dementia, Crohn's disease, and many other ailments. At this point in time, more people in the United States smoke cannabis than they do cigarettes. 16% of Americans say they smoke weed, and 48% say they've tried it, compared to 1969 when only 4% of Americans said they'd ever tried smoking weed. In my own personal experience, for those of you who don't know, Max's mother has struggled from autoimmune diseases, she's had cancer, and has really, really just struggled with every aspect of her health due to these autoimmune diseases for so many years. I think it's been probably 15 or 16 years since she was finally beginning to be diagnosed. I mean, she spent so many years just getting doctors to acknowledge that she really was sick. I mean, that's just a whole other episode unto itself. And I was asking her about this yesterday when I was spending some time with her at her house. And I know that she smokes a lot of weed. (laughs) She's got a vaporizer right next to her bed at the ready whenever she needs it. And I was asking her about how it has benefited her life or how it's changed her life. And she said to me that she probably would have ended her life by now if it hadn't been for cannabis, which is, it was really hard for me to hear. And it's really hard for me to say because this is one of the most important people in my entire life. But she lives constantly in pain, constantly. I mean, yesterday when I was spending time with her, I could see that she's just fighting so hard just to have a normal afternoon with her daughter-in-law. You know, she has a lot of pain in her ear. I could see her holding on to that part of her ear a lot throughout the day and wincing. And it's just, it's really hard to see. And knowing that she has something that helps comfort her during the day, that helps relieve her pain. She said, especially in the evening and at night, you know, after she's lived a day, she's always in a lot of pain. And being able to smoke at the end of the day is really, really beneficial to her. And I talk about this a little bit more in the next section, so maybe I'll just say it now. But cannabis use is very, very normalized in my family, if you can't tell. And when I refer to my family, I mean kind of the family that I've built for myself, me, Max, my dogs, my mom, Max's parents, things like that. Um, My mom is not a weed smoker, but both of Max's parents are. And it's not even really something that's talked about that much. It's not like we're all sitting around the Thanksgiving tables passing around a joint. That's not the reality at all. In fact, Max's dad like still won't openly admit it that often. We've smoked with him like once. (laughs) But it's normal. Like these are people in their 60s that enjoy smoking weed and also enjoy having a couple beers or a glass of wine. And really, to me, it's all kind of one in the same as long as you're being responsible. The first time I ever smoked weed was the summer after I graduated high school, and I loved it the second I tried it especially compared to alcohol. I struggled in high school so much whenever I would try to drink at a party. I was known as the two-shot drunk. I would take like a sip too much of alcohol and be vomiting profusely for the next like 20 hours. It was 
awful. I hated that alcohol made me feel more anxious, especially because of my dad being an alcoholic. I think that being around a bunch of like drunk teenagers made me feel really unsafe and uncomfortable. And also drinking can exacerbate a lot of those feelings as well. And so I just never had a great time when consuming alcohol. So when my friends and I back in Minnesota started smoking a little bit throughout the summer, I was like, this is it. (laughs) This is the thing I need if I want to feel intoxicated in any way and have a good time and wake up the next morning and feel okay. Of course, when I moved to LA a few months later after turning 18, it became much more accessible, even though you still needed to get a medical card. I didn't get a medical card when I first moved here. I totally just mooched off of my friends that had weed. I didn't have my own stuff. I wasn't just like sitting in my apartment smoking alone or anything like that at this point. So it was purely for parties and a good time with friends or getting sucked into the couch watching TV. I stopped smoking for a while when I was focusing on school in order to step away from the habit of being around my friends that smoked all the time. It was just kind of becoming one of those things where instead of smoking and getting something done, I was smoking really heavily, getting sucked into the TV or with my friends, and I wasn't focusing on my school and what I wanted to do with life. And so I I decided to take a little bit of a step back. Being responsible is important. Then I met my ex, the one most recent before Max, and he was super against any kind of smoking. This was beneficial because it got me to quit smoking the first time, smoking cigarettes, that is. And I pretty much completely stopped smoking weed when I was with him for those five years. And the few times that I did do it, he was super judgy. Like, I didn't want to do it because I knew I would have hell to pay. And there was a few times that he was like, yeah, it's okay, you can do it, and kind of like allowed me to, but then gave me a ton of shit for it afterwards and was, you know, chastising me, calling me a stoner and all this kind of stuff. So I'm like, I'm just not even gonna deal with it. But then the amazing Max Ram came into my life and To me, Max is the greatest example of a functioning stoner. He is a little bit high a lot of the time, and you would really have no idea. This man has so much anxiety that is not treated with any sort of like SSRIs or prescribed medication. And smoking is a really good way for him to be able to manage his anxiety just a little bit throughout the day to keep him level. So, of course, I started smoking again once we got together, and I had to build up my tolerance, and then eventually I myself became a functioning stoner. I wrote, I'm stoned right now writing this copy. Let's go through what my regular day where I'm pretty much just working at home looks like. On a regular day, I'll pour a cup of coffee and smoke a bowl. I'll watch a little TV, pour another cup of coffee, smoke another bowl. By that point, I want some food. So I'm going to eat some breakfast, then I'm ready to work. I go into my bedroom where my podcasting setup is, and I get to work on researching and writing. The good thing about smoking on an empty stomach in the morning for myself that I like is that by the time I've eaten and I sit down at the computer, I'm ready and focused and zoned in on what I'm doing. And unfortunately, sometimes that means I will completely lose track of time. I won't look at my phone for hours. I will forget to eat lunch until like 2 p.m. So I need to set timers and I just like get sucked into what I'm doing. 
On the days that I nanny, I'll smoke again a little bit before so I know that I'm going to come down a bit. But then by the time I show up to pick up my kiddo, I'm just feeling good and ready to go for the rest of my day. I am never, ever, 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 ever stoned while taking care of children. But I gotta say, having a little something to take the edge off makes me a better nanny. And I've been speaking to and learning of more and more parents who feel that it makes them better parents as well. But more on that in a bit. It's interesting because when I was working for T's family, his mom loved making cocktails. And there would be times that I was literally double fisting drinks while taking care of their child. Yet at the same time, I was always like, oh, they can't find out that I smoke weed. They can't find out that I smoke weed. Like it's really that much different. Smoking for me has also been incredibly healing, especially from sexual trauma and PTSD. I've gotten into my story of that with you all plenty of times, so I'm not going to get into it now, but I actually had a pretty non-existent intimate life for a while in my previous relationship because I was really struggling to heal from the trauma of the relationship before that. Instead of being met with patience, I was usually chastised for not wanting to be intimate, and sometimes I would get really triggered in the middle of it, and he would get annoyed and upset about that too, which I think made the healing process take even longer. I didn't feel connected to my own body, to my own pleasure. I always felt like I was doing it for other people and not for myself, and I had to unlearn all of that. When that last relationship ended, I got a therapist through BetterHelp, not an ad, though I would love to have them back, and she was absolutely amazing. See, I don't lie in these ads. This is all true. (laughs) I had never had a therapist who spoke so frankly about sex with me, and she made all of it seem so normal and cool almost. She was the super chill Oregon type woman who I'm guessing was in her mid 30s, definitely queer, though I never asked. She and I started talking about masturbation. I didn't even really get masturbation till I was in my 20s. And then when I started my relationship with the ex after the abuse of X, it's so confusing when I talk about these people on the show. He got super self-conscious knowing that I would masturbate. Like he would get really, really jealous. And I once was like, I kind of want to get a vibrator. And he got super insecure about that too. So I never did. Well, thanks to my super cool therapist, she suggested I shop around online for a toy and find one that was right for me and start spending more time with myself. And one thing that really helped to center me when I was working on this was weed. Smoking helped me calm down. It helped me focus on the current moment. My mind drifted less to triggers and I could be present and I could actually feel good. And the same thing goes for sex. I don't need weed to have sex, especially not anymore, but it does feel nice to be able to fully concentrate on your partner and feel relaxed and at ease. Weed has definitely helped me on my road to recovering from sexual trauma. Certain strains help with my anxiety overall, and it really has been a great benefit to my life, more than any SSRI ever has. To me, it's just part of my life. I'm a very responsible smoker, and I know my limits. I like it better than alcohol because the effects aren't as intense and long-lasting, and I don't experience any kind of hangover like I always do with alcohol. Yet I still find myself defending my choices a lot. I don't like to tell everybody that I smoke, and I'm really worried about the fact that I'm going to be looked at a different way because I've admitted that about myself. 
To look into more of the stigmas behind what it means to be a stoner, I read this article on Weedsy.com. And there they said a harm reduction journal published a study looking into the relationship between cannabis use and sedentary behavior and how that measures up against physical activity. One of the biggest misconceptions about people who smoke weed is that we're lazy. Remember when the world was shocked that the world's most decorated Olympian, Michael Phelps, was a stoner? People could not reconcile how he had such a prolific athletic career and be a frequent weed smoker at the same time. The reason is that there is zero correlation between cannabis and sedentary behavior, according to the study I just mentioned. The study says frequent cannabis users engaged in more physical activity than non-current users. Light cannabis users had greater odds of self-reporting physical activity compared to non-current users. This is regardless of age, weight, or physical lifestyle habits. That isn't to say if you smoke too much, you're probably going to want to feel a little bit lazy. But weed doesn't actually cause that. On the contrary, some cannabis use can actually stimulate your body and mind into increasing activity. Another myth is that cannabis use makes you dumb. Well, this has been scientifically disproven as well. Although there is interference with memory retention during the high, cannabis does not have lasting effects on cognitive abilities, which extends to your IQ. So no, it's not making you stupid. The biggest thing that I wanted to discuss when getting into this episode is normalizing what cannabis can do for all people, including parents. Due to the stigma that your average stoner faces, you can imagine that being a stoner parent would be that much harder. But the truth is more and more parents are turning to weed at the end of the night instead of their one, two, or maybe three glasses of wine at night. Why is it acceptable for women to sport coffee mugs with glitter lettering spelling wine o'clock on it or calling themselves a wine mom, but mom admitting that she stokes up at the end of the night is a no-no? I personally know quite a few moms who use cannabis. There's this one couple that I know that's actually a pretty well-known couple And they have two young kids, and I've been over to their house plenty of times where they'll sneak away, smoke a little bit when they're not around their kids, then go back to being great parents. Is there any real difference between that and popping into the kitchen for an extra shot of tequila? Because for me, there's a huge difference in defense of pot there. That's in contrast to the celebrity I worked for seven years ago who took copious amounts of opioids to the point where she was so out of it all the time that her husband at the time and multiple nannies did all the raising of her children. It's just not the same. You can't treat all drugs equally. But for some reason, many believe the two acts of drug use to be one and the same. But they're so fucking different. Opioids are incredibly addictive, and as far as science is telling us right now, marijuana is more of a crutch than an addiction. For some people, that could qualify as an addiction, but there's nothing in cannabis itself that makes it chemically addictive. The Prime Minister of Canada, Justin Trudeau, seems to agree with me when he famously said in 2013 that using cannabis was, quote, no worse than smoking cigarettes or drinking alcohol. Though, I would beg to argue that it has more benefits than the other two do. (laughs) 3.4 million people reportedly used cannabis in Canada. Of course, Canada knows what's up. Many moms who live in the states where cannabis is legal claim that smoking weed makes them better moms. One Los Angeles mom told LA Magazine, Conversations were deeper. Our playtime was more enjoyable. 
In my head, I wasn't thinking about the bills I had to pay and the things I needed to get done before tomorrow. I was actually able to sit with my kids and enjoy them. Modern day moms are far more open than past generations about advocating for self-care to address the challenges and stresses of motherhood. And more and more moms have found that a little bit of weed does what a glass of wine or two didn't do for their mothers. Cannabis helps you feel more in the moment and helps you focus on the current task or activity, which can be really helpful for any parent who always feels like their heads are split in a million different places. Parents also like that tasks that are usually more exhausting or boring become a little bit more fun after you've smoked, like picking up Legos. I really resonated with this mom from the LA Magazine article because I used to have to go to T's house early and pick up and organize all of his little Legos that were all over the room. Like, I don't even know if you all can imagine what this room looked like. This kid probably had like a thousand Lego pieces, if not more. And then he had all of these different containers that had different drawers that were by color, shape, you know, what they did, like if it was like a little moving piece or whatever, but every tiny Lego had a place. And it was for some reason my responsibility to clean up after this child. And usually they would have me go over when no one was home. So T wouldn't try to like pull them all out and build with them anyways. So I would get a little bit of a alone time. I liked getting the extra hours and a little extra pay. But at the same time, Picking up all those Legos was a major pain in my ass. So I started smoking a couple of bowls before I did it. I would turn on a podcast or a comedy special on my phone and have a fucking blast going through and organizing hundreds of Lego pieces. There's a book that is now out called Why Mommy Gets High, which was self-published in 2021, which is a kid's book, much like the Adam Manbach book, Go the Fuck to Sleep. For any parent listeners, I'm sure you are familiar with that book. One part of the book, Why Mommy Gets High, goes like this. It's hard to have fun with so much on my mind. Sometimes mommy needs a way to unwind. Mommy may slip away for just a minute or two. I'll come back carefree, ready to bake cookies with you. In the overview of the book from the Barnes & Noble website, written by the author Wendy Brazel, it says... For years, this natural stress reducer has been unfairly demonized. In writing Why Mommy Gets High, my goal was to start a conversation between parents and their children in hopes of taking away fear that some adults feel who responsibly use cannabis. Why Mommy Gets High explains to children that marijuana used in moderation by adults is not some scary evil substance, but rather a potentially wonderful aid in helping parents relax, connect, and enjoy their children. I don't see why this would be such a hard thing to do. I mean, we explain to children all the time that you have to be a certain age to drink alcohol. I don't know why it wouldn't be the same thing with weed. Wendy Brazel has spoken about the importance of honesty in her family, using one example being when her kids asked where babies came from, and she promptly and succinctly answered them. Another woman named Shanitria Anthony, the host of the Blunt Blow and Mama podcast, which I am so excited about discovering, chimed into this conversation as well and said that it was a matter of getting to her children before schools did. You probably remember speaking about this on past episodes about how well the D.A.R.E. program worked on me and how scared of drugs I was as a kid. Shanitria said her goal is to avoid her children saying, but my teacher said, but my counselor said, but my friend said, when it should be, this is what my mom said. 
Brazel noted that being honest with your kids about cannabis use opens the child's mind to different medicine and why some mothers choose to use it. The book also brings up moderation and how mom uses weed responsibly. And that is the most important thing. Brazel compared how weed and alcohol affected her differently with her kids. She said when she drank a glass of wine, all she wanted to do was send her kids to bed so she could have another. But with weed now, she's ready to read an extra few books at bedtime. And I can totally understand this, and I don't think that makes you a bad parent for doing so. In the U.S., there are different levels of legality for cannabis use. U.S. states that have legalized marijuana in some capacity, like I said, it varies from state to state, include Alaska, Arizona, California, Colorado, Connecticut, Delaware, Illinois, Maine, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Minnesota, Missouri, Montana, Nevada, New Jersey, New Mexico, New York, Oregon, Vermont, Virginia, Washington, and Washington, D.C., There are also many countries throughout the world that have different levels of legalization for cannabis as well. And those countries include Albania, Argentina, Australia, Barbados, Brazil, Canada, Chile, Colombia, Costa Rica, Croatia, Cyprus, Czech Republic, Denmark, Jamaica, Lebanon, Luxembourg, Malawi, Malta, Mexico, the Netherlands, New Zealand, North Macedonia, Norway, Panama, Peru, Poland, Portugal, Rwanda, St. Vincent and the Grenadines, San Marino, South Africa, Spain, Sri Lanka, Switzerland, Thailand, the UK, Uruguay, Vanuatu, Zambia, and Zimbabwe. Like I said, I don't think many of these countries have full use of cannabis being legalized. So if you live in any of those countries, definitely do your research. Before you travel to any of those countries, do your research. We don't need any of us to end up the same way that Brittany Griner did when she was bringing over her weed vape into Russia. Speaking of which, let's start talking about the criminalization of cannabis. Now that we've discussed all the benefits and possible side effects of weed, why it can be helpful to many different people in numerous ways, I cannot discuss an episode about cannabis without mentioning the disproportionate amount of arrests made each year on cannabis charges for people of color. The U.S. has the highest incarceration rate in the world, and almost half of the offenders serving time right now are serving for drug offenses. Black Americans are over three times more likely to be arrested or cited for cannabis possession compared to white people, even though the usage is the same across all races. Two-thirds of all people in state prisons right now for drug offenses are people of color. According to FBI data, half of all drug arrests are for cannabis. Of those, 92% are for possession. That's ridiculous to me. When there are so many states in the United States that have, one, legalized marijuana, or at least have legalized the medicinal use of it, yet why are we incarcerating so many people for such a harmless substance? It doesn't make any sense. How is this war on drugs still warping our idea of this drug to this day? It doesn't make any sense. And honestly, locking people up for any sort of drug doesn't truly make a ton of sense for me. And I feel like it really is just a way to lock away all of these quote unquote undesirables in the world so we don't have to look at them. More people are arrested for nonviolent cannabis offenses than for all of violent crimes combined. Are you 
kidding me. I hate when I'm listening to a true crime story and they're like, due to overcrowding, we let this serial rapist go. And I'm like, what about the people that are in there for marijuana possession? Can we let them go back to their lives instead of letting these like actually really dangerous people go? And on top of that, cannabis convictions makes it so much more difficult to obtain housing, jobs, and to get an education. The white suburban mom stoking up in her cushy backyard is going to be treated very differently than the black mother in lesser conditions. Or hell, even a black mother in the same cushy conditions would be treated differently, I'm sure. They're held to a stupidly higher standard. And for people of color... Cannabis use has always been seen as something that's like dirty and shady with them. Yet when white people do it, it's cool or endearing and it's totally fine. It's just so upsetting to me that we can logically and intellectually understand that that is wrong. Yet we still hold on to these biases and these ideas and these stigmas and we perpetuate them over and over and over again by continuing to throw people of color in prison for something that the white suburban mom is doing all the time. Thankfully, there are leaders of color who are taking a stand. U.S. Representative Barbara Lee from California former U.S. Surgeon General Jocelyn Elders, U.S. Senator Cory Booker, and former President Barack Obama have spoken out against our cannabis laws. The National Black Caucus of State Legislators, the National Organization of Black Law Enforcement Executives, the National African American Drug Policy Coalition, and other prominent African American leaders have also criticized our nation's cannabis laws. A coalition of more than 100 organizations, including the NAACP, the ACLU, and the Human Rights Watch, endorsed the legalization of cannabis with additional steps to repair the damage of the war on drugs, which, as we know, has been waged in a racially discriminatory manner. So what can we do? Drug use is a very real problem in this country. But our current laws regarding cannabis are not helping matters. They have simply clogged our courts and our prisons with people of color. By taxing and regulating cannabis the same way we do alcohol, we can one, stop branding people as criminals for using a substance that is safer than alcohol, and two, make our communities safer by freeing up law enforcement resources so authorities can focus, hopefully, on more serious crime. Though I'm never here to put much trust in the police. Three, it could establish control over the cannabis market due to it being sold by licensed businesses, which requires proof of age and doesn't expose consumers to other drugs. You're not going to walk into a dispensary and be able to also pick up some heroin. Lastly, it'll save taxpayer dollars and generate revenue. As in regulated tax markets, cannabis sales create a revenue and jobs for our communities rather than for the illicit market. All of this seems like a pretty good deal to me. Now, of course, I am not trying to tell everyone in the world that we should all start smoking weed and become stoners and this is what works for me, so it's going to work for everybody. No, that's not it. I'm just here to talk a little bit about my personal experience, why I think that it should be more accessible, why I think it's beneficial and helpful, and it's for all of you who maybe haven't considered it before and that would want to try it. 
I would actually really, really love to find a sponsor that would do microdosing gummies for the show because I feel like that would be really wonderful. We are in a world now where microdosing is becoming like the biggest thing. And I think especially for people who want to experiment with cannabis a little bit and see if it could benefit them in some ways, I think especially at night when you're winding down and you don't have to go anywhere, it's not a bad idea to give it a try if it's something you're curious about. The thing I love about dispensaries as well, at least where I'm from, is that most of the time the people working there are so friendly, they're so helpful, they're there to answer all of your questions, and they can really help you find a product that's going to be right for you and something that you're comfortable with. Definitely do your research. Know that indica strains are going to make you more relaxed, where sativa is going to amp you up a little bit more. Max really hates sativa. It makes him anxious. I really love it. It doesn't make me anxious. It gives me energy and it makes me work like an energizer bunny. But at the same time, when I do Intica, it relaxes me, but it also keeps me really, really focused. So that's actually what I'll take when I'm doing my research and things like that, because I just get so sucked into my computer. And that's why I go down so many of these little rabbit holes, you know, without the use of cannabis. Would we even have your angry neighborhood feminist anymore? I do not know. Just kidding. You totally would. I do want to state again that I do not condone any illegal use of cannabis. Please, if you are in a state or country that is very strict against the use of cannabis, please do not put yourself at risk. If you have certain mental health issues, please do not experiment with cannabis unless you have someone there to be able to assist you, a professional to speak with who can be able to help guide you. Please, please, please be responsible. Do not be like, Madigan told me to smoke all the weed in the world or whatever, because that's not the point of this episode. The point of this episode is that we all deal with shit in life and we all have different ways of coping with it. It's not good to have a crutch or to fully rely on something, but a lot of us at the end of the day still do like to wind down and feel a little bit extra good at the end of the day. And some of us use cannabis in very, very small amounts just to be able to get through life and get through the day sometimes. And that's the same for everybody, whether you're a white suburban mother, a girl like me, a black man, a Mexican woman, no matter what. It's all the same. We're just all trying to fucking get through this life. Thanks to cannabis. (laughs) All right, that's all I have for everybody today. That was probably one of the most different episodes I've ever done on this show, and I definitely felt self-conscious through most of it. So I'm like, don't judge me, please. I have such a weird judgment of myself for smoking sometimes that I worry about the way that I'm going to be perceived to the rest of the world. But Especially because this episode was so different, I would really, really love to hear all of your thoughts on this. If there's anything that I missed that you thought was really important for me to bring up, like any dangers or anything like that, or maybe you've had similar experiences to me where it's really, really been beneficial to you in some way, I want to know your experience as well. So please email me at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram at angryneighborhoodfeminist and just let me know what you thought of this episode. And if you're a fan of the show and you think others would be too, please feel free to share an episode with them. You can rate and review pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts. And I would really, really appreciate it. (laughs) 
If you want to give a little extra support to the show, you can go to patreon.com slash angryneighborhoodfeminist and join the Angry Feminist Book Club for $5 a month or join the Feminist Faves level for $8 a month. Also, don't forget to check out the new show that I am co-producing called Still Learning with India Oxenberg, anywhere that you can get your podcasts. I can't wait to see everybody this coming Wednesday for the Angry Feminist Book Club Zoom party. I'll see everyone August 30th at 3 p.m. Pacific time. Like I said at the top of the episode, keep an eye on your emails, your notifications for that Zoom link and all of that jazz. All right, that's all I have for you today. With all that being said, I encourage you to rage on. Bye. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.